Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, nine's summer plans thrown into disarray. Pete Evans evicted from the jungle before filming even begins and comedian Fiona O'Loughlin opens up about her battle with the booze. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Well, just a few things have happened since last week. Let's get right into it. Mulk, it's nice that you've actually put some clothes on earlier on the Ben Robin Robbo show. Things got a little scary. I'm not sure what you're asserting, Rob. I was just following the direction of the executive producer. <laughs> Hello, everyone. All right. So nice to know that you will go to any great length. If you missed that piece of internet phenomenon, Mulka got down and naked for us today on the Ben Robin Robin. It's now on you, Paul. Also joining us, of course, is Benjamin Norris. Hello, Ben. Hi, guys. Um, I'm just really excited that Mulk started an OnlyFans account and uh, he can make a little bit of extra money on the side. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the leaks, let me tell you. I can't wait to build my, my fan base. What even is this? How did I get here? <laughs> and uh, joining us for the podcast today is Aaron Ryan over in Perth. Hello, Aaron. Hello, and thank you for having me again. And you can find me on the socials at hashtag Jamie Oliver does not rate. Jamie Oliver, Oliver does, does, not does not rate. rate. And we'll be talking about the, that a little bit more because as though Channel 10 just wanted to prove your old pal Rob McKnight is always right, they've done it again and the ratings have sunk. But we'll talk about that in a bit more because, first of all, last week we asked the question and this week we have the answer. Pete Evans has been fired from I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here just hours before entering the jungle. In fact, we were in a situation where we were saying he should not be going into the jungle and no sooner had the episode been posted than Channel 10 sacked him. His viral post with neo-Nazi symbolism was met with backlash and criticism of 10 for giving him a platform, which ultimately forced the network to make the tough decision. Ben, you have been across this far and wide and bringing us all up to date with the latest information. Wow, what a week. Well, I was more than across this. I was, like, standing in the corner of the room like Damien from Omen with a box of matches. I basically (laughs) torched the place with this story. But at the end of the day... Just like a lot of Australians, um, we went on a bit of a journey with this story. You know, a lot of people saying don't de-platform. But the reality was, Rob, you put that episode up at about 12.30 midnight last Mm -hmm. week's episode. And it is believed that some people from 10 had heard our opinions. Don't necessarily know if we were the total vox pop for it. But by the time it had rolled around in the morning, Pete Evans was no longer on the show. 
One of the funniest things I thought was how everyone was saying it was $200,000. Like, we just, <laughs> they weren't going to give $200,000 to Pete Evans. Like, no. that's just not a thing, uh, which is a bit funny. But it is believed that he was silenced. It's, I mean, I heard that again today, and I heard the number of about $35,000. Don't know if that's good hush money, but uh, certainly works at my house. So if anyone at 10 wants me to shut up with my box of matches, <laughs> send it my way. Hey, actually, Channel 10, if you want me to shut up, 50,000 will do it. That'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> well, they thought firing you was going to get you to shut up, but they were so wrong. You have your own podcast and your own platform, which they can't de All they did was unleash the Kraken. Um, <laughs> what's interesting about this, Ben, is the fact I actually don't care how Channel 10 made this call. It is the right call. So if they did listen to this and get a gauge of where the commentary about this was going to go, well done them. Um, it was pretty obvious when we recorded the podcast last week that Pete Evans was going to be nothing but trouble for Channel 10 for all the reasons we outlined last week. The backlash from viewers that we were receiving online to the backlash coming from those who employed Pete Evans. This time when we recorded last week, Pam McMillan had already pulled the plug. Since then, we've seen pretty much every sponsor from under every rock um, everyone that works with him have pulled the plug. Except his PR agency, who uh, apparently are standing strong with him, they were out there talking at the end of last week saying that Pete Evans hasn't been destroyed, this isn't the last you'll hear from them, and, uh, you know, he's going to come back bigger and better than ever. So, um, I don't know, maybe you can get phone calls to the planet delusion, but uh, <laughs> this PR company is obviously doing wow. a great job. <laughs> yeah, Mark, wow. I've got to say... Um, you know, he's already said he's leaving Facebook, he's never coming back, and today he was on Facebook. You cannot trust a word <laughs> this guy says. He is a snake, and I am a, we've talked about this, I'm a free speech advocate, but thank God he's not on our television screens. And and I acknowledge that, Rob, and, and I've, I've had a bit of a, uh, a personal kind of awakening myself, actually. Um, if we don't talk about Pete Evans, he goes away. So let's not. Yeah, that's a very good point. And after today, we certainly won't um, because I think that's a very smart and fair point. But the fact is it was the big story we covered last week. It would be remiss of us oh, not sure. to do a follow-up of that. Yeah. But, yes, I understand the idea that I'm now giving him airtime, but I feel like we had to do that to acknowledge what's happened, the events of the last week, because it's monumental. The, the This guy was thriving off controversy. He's had to come out and Google yep. what neo-Nazi means. Bullshit. Um, he, <clears throat> you know, he's put out posts saying the, he didn't know what the symbolism was. Bullshit. Last week we disproved that. So anyone that reports that is falling for his false narrative. And this is the problem, isn't it, Aaron, that there are so many false narratives with this guy and networks need to take the responsible position of not platforming and I commend Channel 10 for making the decision they did. Yeah, well, it was absolutely the right decision. I think most of us actually said this was a bad idea before this most recent issues arose. Um, he is far out there um, and he wasn't right for this type of family show. But I do, do want to say something that may be a little bit controversial. I'm not about shutting this guy down completely. I just think I'm the celebrity was not the right vehicle. If Seven announced, though, that he was part of, for example, SAS Australia next year, I wouldn't have an issue at all with him being on that program. I actually would. 
the problem with that is that he's not Chappelle Corby. Chappelle Corby's story we hadn't heard. We've heard this guy. We know what he stands for and it's the idea of chasing controversy. But this guy, every time you put him on the screen, and I have been guilty of that on the Ben Robin Robbo show, you legitimize him. And this is what but we've Rob, got to stop the best doing. thing about that was like I remember I came to you after I think we're all sitting in a production meeting and you know I said oh there's so many people that are these conspiracy theorists they're the anti-maskers they're the QAnon yeah. they're all of these things and I said to you wouldn't it be amazing if we could get Pete Evans so I kind yeah. of sold that to you because we thought we could unpack something you know it's all this hindsight because what we had oh, no absolutely. idea was he was never going to do that like he's the master at his ability to keep conversations going in his favour uh, even if it doesn't mean that the audience is even getting any answers so you know it's it's a difficult thing in hindsight for us all to really understand what journey we've all been on with Pete Evans because I think a lot of people who said that they a lot of people said that they would have watched him on the show have changed their mind on that and I don't think SAS or anything at the moment is the right platform for him and that's only because I like to read people's body language and I don't know if anyone saw him back at Byron at his house you know with Mm, the horses Daily Mail video yep it just seemed more unhinged and more scary than I'd realized and I it doesn't matter what people have done and people are bad, people can be bad people, I did really feel concerned for him. So I just hope he's getting the right mental health. This is the first wake-up call he's had in a long time because he's been able to peddle his bullshit and get away with it and the media has lapped it up. And this is the first time where the people that bring in his substantial amount of money have actually pulled the pin. He now faces a financial crisis and he doesn't know what to do about that. And you can say fake media, mainstream media is out to get me. Well, mate, that's how you've been making your money for all these years. You you, you guys won't actually believe this, but how's this for timing? I'm just watching Twitter fly by in the background while we're recording this podcast, and there is news breaking that Pete Evans is going to appear on a Channel 9 show in 2021. Do they say what the show is? It's unnamed. It's a it's a react. No, I'm bullshitting. Oh, Nothing's happening. Because I was I was about to go Channel Nine really hard then. No, no, you it's big love to our friends at seven, nine, and ten. Because I I was about was to say I, I just good. can't believe it. I'll pay that. I don't mind as long as Malt keeps his clothes on. He can lie to me all the time. It's fine. <laughs> well, only halfway through a six-year deal for Channel 9 worth almost $350 million and the Australian Open may be pushed back due to strict quarantine rules in Victoria. The Melbourne Grand Slam is a key moment in sports programming every year, but according to The Australian, could actually be pushed back from January to late February or even March. Malk, what does this do to Channel 9's programming plans. You know those um, images that we see in movies or particularly in ads where they're talking about um, people that are uh, having to, you know, give up and start again that, and then throw papers in the air and everything kind of flutters <laughs> down around them? That's what's happening in the Channel 9 programming department right now with this talk of uh, the Australian Open moving. It's diabolical. Um, just as Seven for many years prior to Nine and now Nine hang their schedule off the Australian, me- Australian Open men's final on that Sunday night, launching them into a huge run-up for Q1 in the ratings year. If they have to move the Australian Open into ratings, look, there is capacity, no question, that they'll pick up some pretty serious ratings because it now lands inside the ratings period. But what it does is actually um, hold them off 
They, they won't want to start Married at First Sight and then stop it for two weeks to run the tennis and then bring Married at First yeah. Sight back. It actually throws the whole thing into disarray. And that's going to be, look, some pretty serious issues uh, for Nine. I'm sure they'll be talking to, uh, to of course, Victorian government and, and the Oz Open people going, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, thanks. but the fact is Dan Andrews isn't going to give a flying F about what Channel 9 wants when he's dealing with the pandemic and the idea of people attending events and all that kind of stuff and 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 um, champions flying in from overseas to take part of it, the players I'm, I'm talking about. Oh, sure. And, and I absolutely acknowledge that I think of all of the networks that are probably best to sit at the table and and nut this out. How do we make it work? Nine are probably those guys because they come in with the benefit of to, you know 2019 and and we're you know going to get to 2020 where they will be you know the number one network again. Um, to have a little bit of that both clout and leeway to be able to manage that and work that out. I'd expect they'll probably want to slide the Oz Open later rather than sooner, yeah, honestly. Could it actually work for them, though, Aaron, in that they, it brings the price down but it's in ratings for them? Maybe only in money. I was thinking about this before we came on. I think it's a disaster because they would ha- actually have four options. They, um, as Malk actually said, start the year as normal with scheduled programming such as maths and all that, and then after just two or three weeks, pull them and take a break for the tennis. That would be a disaster. Yeah. Start the year as normal, but run the tennis on nine gem. That would be counterproductive and a disaster. Don't start maths at all. Um, and then just run basically summer programming at the start into the tennis, which that would be an absolute... Or something else. Or sure. something. And that would be a free kick to Channel 7. And the only option probably is to start maths much, much earlier, like mid-January, um, so that when they come into the tennis... But why not still a- run it after the tennis as planned, no matter when the tennis is, it still gives you that launch platform. It still gives you that event programming. And what are they going to run between January the 20th and, and, and February the 20th? I, but you wouldn't want to bring maths that early. You want maths in ratings, don't you? So Well, of course you do, but, but when are you gonna, what are you going to run before the tennis? Well, seven... Something else. Wouldn't you play for the back half of the year, the, the later half of the year? You know, like, if anything, you're prolonging your programming for the year. But seven starts off running holy moly. Everyone's jumping in at the start. Nine's running some sort of crappy counter programming, mm. waiting for the tennis. And by the time the tennis has come on and maths has come on, everyone's watching seven. Oh, I'm not disputing what you're saying, mate. This is this is why these guys at nine are getting paid, you know, b- yeah, big, yeah, yeah. big bucks because this is the problem you're facing. You've bought a big sport that you know brings in ratings. And now you're getting screwed over because of this pandemic that is screwing everyone Ooh. over and especially television stations. Oh, and remember, 2021 is the Olympic year that 2020 mm-hmm. should have been. So it's even like it's even got a bigger mess to play in that. Look, I, I think that Nine could, and, and this is me playing, you know, uh, amateur programmer, there is the capacity that they could, if this is indeed the case, slide something like Lego Masters into that first mm. part of the ratings year prior to um, the Oz Open. And that would help kind of, you know, get them out of jail and ward off whatever seven are going to throw at them in Q1 and then run maths right off the back of the Oz Open. It would mean some juggling, of course, in the later part of their schedule. Nothing impossible, but you're exactly right, Rob. That's why they paid them the big bucks to do this. It absolutely would be a challenge. It will bring them the benefit of all of the tennis in all of the ratings period, uh, where if I recall correctly, for at least the last two years, maybe only the men's final and nothing else. In fact, 2020, none of it was in the ratings mm. period. It usually um, is. It all finished up a week before. Mm. Um, so it's it's that kind of mess that they face. I, I, I think it's 
even if we do get it to March or April, I'm not even confident that we'll have a full stadium, um, you know, in, in the Rod Laver Arena watching because they'll still have to physically distance because we still don't have a vaccine. Which could play for great great TV ratings, depending on the sure. lineup. Um, but, you know, Lego Masters leading up to it is not a bad idea at all. But now they're in the same boat as the other networks because everyone else was like, Seven was like, we've got Big Brother. Uh, Channel 10 was like, we've got I'm a Celebrity. And they're all like, don't go anywhere near Merit at First Sight. And now Channel 9's in the same boat. They don't want to put Merit at First Sight up against their tennis. So, and yeah. I wonder what would win. Aren't Seven pitching, aren't Seven pitching one of their big new things up against... Um, maths Holy Moly in Q1. It's believed that Holy yeah, yeah. Moly is coming first, and that's because the they were waiting to see footage of both Holy Moly and Big Brother before making the decision as to which would go first. And it is already yep. believed that Holy Moly is going to be a tighter show to kick the year off. Um, and that's not to say anything bad's happening at Big Brother, uh, but probably just saying more about what went right with Holy Moly. Because that becomes the other challenge, is that all of the other networks then have two weeks of Oz Open to compete with and just go, holy shit, so not, we're yeah. just going to burn two kafakas. weeks of whatever we've got. And depending what Nine do, we'll have a flow-on effect to what the other networks do. It's going to be fascinating. Look, let's go yeah. to our ratings wrap now, and it feels a little like Groundhog Day as we hear more good news for Nine and more bad news for Ten. As reported by Kevin Perry on the TV Black Box website, Nine has now won 21 weeks outright for the year. Game three of State of Origin brought more viewers than the other matches. Mm. And the block room reveals were at 1.065 million Metro viewers. Channel 10, however, finished in fourth place again with their worst result since week 14 in 2019 with a primary share of just 9.4%. <laughs> and Seven remains chasing Nine's tail, although experienced a moderate boost in audience for SA. Yes, presumably thanks to the fact it wasn't competing with the block. And Mulkey, <laughs> why did Channel 10 come forth? Because Jamie Oliver does not rate. Gosh, I'll be so glad when this is over. <laughs> um, it, it, there's no question that Jamie Oliver is doing 10 no favours. Uh, and even, you know, Graham, uh, Graham Norton, as Kevin rightly pointed out, the episode of Graham Norton that was on Sunday night last week was packed to the gills. With you know, like A class Hollywood stars, and it, I think I don't think it got above three fifty. Like that's diabolical. Um, and, and Friday night feels right for Graham Norton. Anyway, look, that this is really intriguing because Ten have now for quite some time held to the the view that they program fifty weeks a year. I got to tell you, if they are, then their <laughs> programmers have just gone. Well, fuck me, I don't know what I'm going to do for the next six weeks. Here's some shit. Let's just throw it up against the wall and see what worked. And nothing does. It's all sliding down. I'll look out. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, programming badly is still programming, right? So there's that challenge that they face. Um, seven and nine are in this bit of a tussle. Of course, uh, nine have tailed well uh, with the block finishing up. And now that we are in the final week of official ratings, not that it matters. Everyone programs for 48, 52, something number of weeks a year. Um, it, it will be... An interesting payoff because as it stands right now, the only thing that nine are going to win this week is the block finale, this one coming. And with the penultimate tonight and the final episode of SAS Australia tomorrow night, you'd think it would do okay numbers. So there'll be a bit of an arm wrestle. But as Kevin rightly pointed out, nine of one, 21 weeks clear. They are the number one network in Australia for 2020. Let me ask you this, Aaron. How long can Channel 10 limp along like a wounded dog trying to survive before Viacom CBS put it down and 
turf local management out and just run it from the UK? I think you'd have to really look at 2021. They do have some MasterChef did well this year. They didn't mm. have they didn't have Survivor on. They didn't have the amazing race on. I'm a celebrity does it okay at the start of the year. They had a couple of now I've just forgotten them, but a couple of okay programming announcements for next year. Did they? They it, had like three, and none of them were world beaters to my mind. But it's not it's not going to majorly take on seven and nine. But 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 they, I think they'll do like just okay. And they really run on an oily rag there in terms of, you know, money. So, I mean... And which they've been asked to reduce more of it. They've been mm. told to reduce more money from their budget. How do they do that and keep making programs? You don't. Cancel Studio 10. That's the little short of it, right? You just don't. But presumably Studio 10's making money because if it's not, it's yeah. not going to be back in 2021. That's the That's the simple economics about... Um, Studio 10 and, and morning television. And look, I think we're in for a bit of a shake-up in this country when it comes to morning television across the board because those advertorials are not selling the way they used to. You know, once upon a time, an advertorial on the morning show would get $15,000 for one four-minute mm. spot. They would be lucky to be getting a grand, two grand, and that's maybe with a couple of bonuses thrown in now. Because are you saying that we could advertise TV black box as an infomercial on Studio Ten? Hundred percent. Oh, look, on Studio Amazing. Ten, they'd be lucky to get eight fifty for a spot now. <laughs> like seriously, um, wow. everybody underestimates or overestimates how much those advertorials are bringing in at the moment. The fact is, they're not working. They've it's been diminishing returns for years, and the the those shows have always survived based on the finances. The fact they're making it's money, a financial yeah. model because the finances are based on not only the three and a half minute ads you get, but those four minute mm -hmm. advertorials, which are basically additional advertising airtime. And if you're not getting yep. that, or if you're getting returns, and and you know, like Studio Ten got rid of half its cast because they've had to greatly reduce the budget to make the finances work. And if those ratings don't increase. Mm. To be honest, it doesn't even matter if the ratings increase. All that matters is whether the show is making the money. That's the big yep. but they can't, but they can't seem to be doing anything right. And that's the thing is that they're still so stuck in the past, and that everyone's really struggled about how we make things interactive. You know how we bring the viewers into television. That's been a real problem. And that now we've got shows like ours, like the Ben Robin Robbo show. There's a lot of streaming mm -hmm. shows that allows there to be an extension of their programming that the viewers feel like they can be a part of. They're still not doing that. They're not even answering emails to people. You know when they're asking for talent, like these people aren't responding and what they need to realize is get with the times people do feel like they want to be included and having these streaming shows that are additional outside of 10 they need to be brought inside like there's some there's some enjoyment for their viewers with that here's my hot tip within the next one to three years the changes the streamers will make to their services will make broadcast tv irrelevant it will spell the death of channel 10 Nine and seven will adapt and try to hold on, but everything will become about streaming and not broadcast. Mm, well, it's sad to think of that because all of us are such yeah. big consumers and lovers of television. Like, you know, 
we probably all sit around and have a drink and watch some of the classic moments from icons gone 100%. by like Graham Kennedy and uh, seen great interviews from 60 Minutes with Ray Martin. You know, look, you know, I grew up where the sound, the very sound of the Channel 9 ad in the background and the Channel 10 ad going up and pressing the button with Rove, all of that felt like a warm hug from mum. And that, you know, the next generations won't have those TV moments to adore and and feel warmth about. That's a pretty aggressive timeline, Rob, when you consider that mm. it's 10 and not 7 that have a streaming service and that 10 particularly are about to rebrand theirs and deliver the new thing out of America uh, in Paramount+. Plus. Uh, yep. with all of its goodness and promised goodies and everything that will be in it. Um, I, I don't disagree that I think that that's going to be the play. I'm not so sure that three years, that's that's pretty full on. And Seven don't have a partner. They don't have a streaming service to hook into at all. So um, for them to, to, dare I say it, best 2020 word ever, pivot <laughs> um, and deliver that is going to put them in a really unique position given that Warburton is trying to shed debt and shed cost. Uh, as hard as he can and starting up a let's call it a new stand uh, if they went down that path is not something you do on 10 bucks and you know a bit of rubber band no oh, look if they call me my prices are very expensive um i just wanted to say we talk about ratings um at the moment it's all about the rise of nine and the disaster of 10 i think seven really need to be given some props here they basically had a r- real bad first half year they had a lot more production um halted than nine did yet this week aside from the block sunday in the state of origin uh on wednesday seven won monday tuesday and friday they tied for thursday nine have won 21 weeks seven have won 17 weeks and the gap at the end of the year it's likely to be very minimal less than 0.5 between nine and seven to get literally debt within striking distance of nine at the end considering their output with certain programs you know plate of origin and my Kitchen Rules and all that. The difference at the end was one show. I think if Seven had Holy Moly this year, they would have won the year. And I honestly believe next Ooh, year Seven are going to win 2021. Call. Well, it's only... That's it, a big call. It's less than 0.05. I think it's actually 0.03, but I, I'm just saying 0.05 in case I'm wrong. There's, there's one show difference between between the whole year. So I'm just saying I think Seven, he's got seven a point. have done well. That's all I'm saying. I think considering sure. the year they've had. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely recovered. And and quite ironically, given that it's usually Qs three and four for seven that fall apart, yeah. when it's the for start of the year that they've done great on and, and you know, it's happened around that. Maybe coronavirus has turned it around the right way. Look, the, the challenge absolutely for seven, and you're right, they could be super, super competitive in 2021, is the fact that they haven't quite got to tens, you know, cutting arms off kind of cost cuts, but they are significantly slicing and dicing at seven to reduce cost so that they're in a, a much better financial position. And ultimately, that is going to impact their programming, you know, library. Indeed. Well, it's set to be a big summer of sport as Seven and Nine announce their holiday programming. Nine are expected to host the Australian Open, hopefully, although as we spoke about earlier, the exact timing of that is yet to be determined. Seven, however, will be bringing us the big bash league and test cricket. Young Sheldon will also return to Nine and 60 Minutes will continue into the holiday period with two new instalments. Other programming on Nine will include Labour of Love, Carols by Candlelight and Chicago Med. With Seven continuing the amazing race Chicago Fire and dogs behaving very badly. Aaron, this was your exclusive on the TV Black Box website. Um, Channel 10 decided not to take part in this programming wrap, so we won't be talking about their summer programming. So more publicity for them, I guess not. Um, Aaron, 
what are you excited about here? Well, not a huge amount. Um, the thing is, with Channel 7, the Big Bash League starts on the 10th of December. That's only a week and a half of summer programming that they need to actually fill. So some of those programs are late night, Amazing Race, Station 19, Chicago Fire, they're pretty late night. Channel 9, apparently Race Around the World is pretty popular, so that I mean that, that that's coming back. I think there's some sort of conspiracy theory over young Sheldon. Channel 9 have had to fill some holes this year and been running crappy movies for that, but they won't bring young Sheldon back. It doesn't rate like it used to, but they've had new episodes up their sleeve for ages. So they've got that coming back, and there's a whole heap of stuff on the multi-channels that people are interested. Uh, SAS UK, even though it premieres on 7, it will move to 7, mate. Um, 7 2's got One Lane Bridge, uh, which is a New Zealand mystery and stuff like that so there's actually quite a lot of new programming on the multi-channels but otherwise it's going to be sport sport and channel 10 airing something unaired installments of family feud i would imagine <laughs> definitely they're sliding into saturday night fancy that mm. uh, the really interesting pickup and and there's some great stuff in that aaron well done is not only the fact that of course we're going to get carols by candlelight a, a christmas eve institution for nine uh but carols in the in the domain now Understandably, with coronavirus, it's affected how both of those large public events can take place. And uh, as we stand right now, both of them are happening without audiences, though I suspect that at least Carol's in the domain, which, spoilers, won't be in the domain this year, um, because they're moving inside a, a theatre that, that they may be able to bring in an audience to, to film that, to, to make it, give it the Christmas vibe. I think the real controversy is that they're not holding Carol's in the domain as they traditionally do mm. on the last Saturday before Christmas. They've moved it into Christmas week. It's airing on uh, Wednesday the 23rd, the night before ah. Carol's by Candlelight. Oh, and that, oh, I don't like mine, that is a bit of a bastard act. Yeah. I agree. It is a but then if you watched uh, Carol's by Candlelight the last few years, um, and I always watch it because I just grew up watching it. Uh, I don't know. I just the Channel Nine Carol's by Candlelight, as far as I'm concerned, really was hard to watch. So I think competitive competitiveness occurs more, or you see people sneaking up when you're operating at your weakest. And I kind of feel like maybe this will give Channel 9 a bit of an excuse to show us something a little bit different. You know, just getting out the same singers um, gets a little bit lost on me. You know, we've seen Marina Pryor and we've seen Anthony Clear, like, you know, come on, like, can we try and just do something a little bit different? David Campbell brings a lot of energy. Uh, they really miss Sonia Kruger hosting it with a little bit more personality. But, you know, I just think... Come on, lads, they're going to have to try and do something a little bit different. Yeah, but it, that, that's the thing, right? In part, it's the tradition of not just where they land, but who performs what. Like, to the same end, and, and I say this as not a Victorian, certainly not a Melbourneian, why they um, unfreeze Dennis Walter and get him to sing every year is beyond no, me. No, that's tradition. But I know. But it, see, my point exactly. I know it's tradition. So, And there will be people up in arms if such and such doesn't sing such and such a song because that's the way it needs to be. Um, I, no. I, look, I think that coronavirus will affect the lineup of who sings what in part because there will be some performers that are either immunocompromised or elderly enough that they shouldn't be in a position where they're near heaps of people and could catch something. Mm. I just think it's funny that the kids in the front row are like, oh, my God, what's, who's that terrifying bear? And all the adults are like, oh, it's Humphrey Bear, and I love him. And it's like, <laughs> I thought uh... you were going to say, no, no, that's Anthony the Blue Wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you have that. And that concludes this segment. <laughs> hey, before we move on from the new segment, it is the end of an era, as after 63 years, the Nine Network has said goodbye to its home in Willoughby. It was there where television began in Australia with those famous words by Bruce 
Bruce Gingell in 1956. Welcome to television. CEO Hugh Mark sent an email to staff saying, as we bid farewell, it's important that we celebrate our history and take with us an unrivaled legacy. Um, ben, I worked in this building for five years. I yeah. loved my time at nine. It was a rabbit warren and you felt mm. something special when you actually knew how to get around the building. It was like Epping at Channel 7 in the old days. Mm. But it is a sad little moment that a piece of television history, just like GTV 9 in Melbourne, when it goes. Well, absolutely. And, Rob, I actually have a good, uh, hilarious memory of the first time I went to that studio and I, it was very soon after doing Big Brother and I was going to be on Today Extra, I think, with um, Sonia and David Campbell and... Uh, I was going to be on the panel with Gretel Colleen, who I'd never met before, and I was in the green room and I said to Gretel Colleen, I said, oh, hi, do you know who I am? And she said, uh, absolutely not. I think she did, but she was like, absolutely not. And I said, oh, I was on Channel 9's new big brother and I really wanted you to be the host. And uh, Sonia Kruger was standing behind me when I said that. <gasps> oh. <laughs> wow. How to win friends and influence people, Ben Norris. But the best thing about Sonia is that she's got a great sense of humour and Gretel's got a good sense of humour about that sort of stuff as well. But I'll tell you what, I wanted the Willoughby Studios to swallow me, to swallow me whole <laughs> at I that did. moment. No, I, I can understand that completely, but how funny. Well, it is a sad moment to think the first television station in Australia is being ripped down, but that's progress and that's where the television industry is at the moment, Mark. Yeah, it is. And, and look, it's a, a, a huge amount of money that Nine are going to get out of the sale of that Willoughby property. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, no small part has helped them fit out the new North Sydney um, Denison Street Studios. Uh, they have left a lot of space on the walls and around the place to really keep that connection. So there's been posters and stuff that have stayed on the wall in Willoughby and stuff that's in Willoughby that have now finally moved across uh, to, to North Sydney. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a tour around the building before, 60 minutes before today had moved in. So there was lots of empty desks, but you got to see, for example, that whole news hub where the chief uh, chiefs of staff sit uh, and the sort of the lines of desks that kind of spawn out of it like a, a star. It just looks amazing and, and I'm sure is now a hive of activity for Nine. Uh, but Nine levels in this building, the studios are, are near fully automated with room for some people behind cameras, but lots of automatic cameras. The control rooms are phenomenal. Uh, this absolutely was a necessity for Nine to make the move and it will really usher them into a whole new era of television creation, particularly given that they now make so little TV themselves. Mm, mm, very good point. All right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Mulk. Gracias, Roberto. Ex-Channel 10 newsreader Natasha Belling is bouncing back after falling victim to budget cuts at the network and is entering the world of podcasts. Partnering with Southern Cross Austereo, your morning agenda will cover breaking news across Australia and the world and make her literally tens of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> in sad news from the US, a man competing in the reality obstacle course show Wipeout has died after being rushed to hospital following the completion of competition. Production has stopped and will resume after a pre-planned break following Thanksgiving. The Australian Communications and Media Authority has found nine guilty of breaching broadcast rules after three news reports disclosed the residential address of two police officers, one even including the suburb. Nine have removed it from their online platforms and apologised to those affected. 
It is also the end of an era in America, with Conan O'Brien ending his 28-year-long night show stint. At the end of its 10th season in June 2021, Conan will bid farewell, but has already signed on for a weekly variety series on HBO Max. He hopes to get a free subscription. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mog, for this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Coming up next, Fiona O'Loughlin opens up and just gets really raw and honest and will open the TV Black Bolt. What juicy little morsels does Ben have for us this week? We'll find out in just a moment. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ben, Robin, Robin. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 Minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday. Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's Well, last week on the Ben Robin Robbo Show, we were lucky enough to have comedian Fiona O'Loughlin as our special guest panellist. There were, of course, lots of laughs and opinions, but she also really opened up to us and was very candid about her struggles with addiction. Have a listen to this, and before we begin, let me say, if you are in need of help or support, please reach out to the Alcohol and Drug Foundation on 1300 858584 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. This is Fiona Lachlan in an ad-libbed conversation, very raw and very emotional. You you talked about your time in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. We know you've had issues with um, alcohol along the way and you talked about uh, drinking the hand sanitizer. Um, How are you doing on that front? Are you recovering? Are you still drinking? Are you okay? Hey, it wasn't just any old hand sanitizer. It was... (laughs) It was the good stuff. (laughs) I mean, you've got quality... I've been in remission from um, substance use disorder. I've only just learned how to uh, say that, uh, which is actually what it is. It's a it's a mental disorder as much as anything else. And I've been in remission. My drugs of choice were codeine and uh, alcohol. Yeah. And I've been in remission since December seventeenth, two thousand nineteen. Brilliant. So Brilliant. I I'm Brilliant. literally doing well. 
not physical cartwheels, but emotional cartwheels every day. <laughs> well, that's because awesome, Fiona. Like, brilliant. seriously, Thank congratulations. Oh. Um, I, I've walked around the planet just feeling like such a fucking idiot, you know, like, and a liar. And, you know, I was always in sobriety for three months and then I would relapse and relapse and relapse um, on average every three months. And that's been what's been happening for the last 15 years, really. But you're almost so, at a year now. And, and can I ask you, is it really difficult as a comedian because historically I would think that the um, the alcohol gives you that Dutch courage and we feel funnier when we've had a bit to drink. Is that how you felt? Was that part of a, a, a safety blanket for you? Absolutely. Um, and as it is for most addicts, and we don't know why, right? but it's an endless quest for not, you know, f filling up this not enough-ish, whatever we suffer from. Yeah. Mm. We're just yeah. never enough. Not We cannot bear to be in our own skin. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, it, I knew that just having somewhat of a normal life would be, you know, the life I was in, in ad inactive addiction, was hell. Um, and I knew it, it, it would be a lot better on the other side, but I had no idea in retrospect uh, how easy it was. Um, it's not a hand-wringing horror show. It's actually... And now the thought of actually using something that retards my thoughts, retards my actions, my physicality. It's so dangerous to me and I see that so much clearer now that for a brief moment of a bit of Dutch courage, it just is not, it, the risk for that would be enormous. It, almost, it will possibly fatal. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a point. You can only push your body so far. It's interesting you told the story about the hand sanitizer, and I loved the joke you were making before, but nobody knew about that. Why did you feel you needed to speak about that publicly? Is that making sure you don't find yourself back at that place, having it in the public domain? Uh, yes, absolutely. Because if you're going to clean out your closet, you want to make sure you you clean it all out. You know, I didn't want anything coming to bite me on the ass. There was so much worse that happened um, in many ways than the hand sanitizer because that was such a, you know, incredibly horrific thing to do to myself. Yeah. Uh, but way worse than that is the behaviours that, particularly alcohol, alcoholic behaviours um, that immediately and long-lastingly impacted my kids. You know that. You've got to clean up the guilt of that and the shame of that. It's so interconnected because, the, you know, it's that this question of that fatal first drink, why would you relapse again? It makes absolutely no sense. But what, what the addict is actually doing is looking for a moment of respite for the self-loathing. Everything stops and we, even though it's a fake piece, there is a piece uh, that's a, there's always a payoff, you know, and that is the payoff to not feel. Um, and all of us, if you can just hang about the right people, and you might, you know, I'll I'll spend the rest of my life now doing whatever I can 
to destigmatize this because it is they know it's hereditary alcohol has been around as long as anything and eight yeah. percent of us eight percent will always be addicted always and alcohol was the gateway drug to everything for me um and and what society does it's much simpler to just kind of zero in on the behaviors of the addict and for sure we're the most annoying people <laughs> you can ever come across <laughs> but you've got to get you got to get rid of the people or they've got to rid themselves, you know, the people that are too close to the alcoholic. And, ha like, for instance, I should have not been with my husband, you know. It's over. Mm. You know, get away from the shame and the trauma of your shame and find the people that are prepared to love you no matter what, so long as you, no matter what, don't pick up. Every family has a landscape. And on that landscape, there is one of me. What are you doing for that addict? Have you checked in on them? Where's the addict in your family? Because we're everywhere. And it's crazy that all that happens in us in our social environment is gossip and shame and blah, 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 blah. You know, she was always bad. It's bullshit. Mm. I was. <laughs> ben. That came out of nowhere when we were recording it, didn't it? It was just she's so honest, she's so giving, and I love the woman. Yeah, and I think that that's the magic of who she is. Interestingly enough, I had other entertainers and other interviewers contact me after that interview and share stories of when they had interviewed her and had captured similar moments. And I think one of the strange things about her... And again, it is the magic of who she is. It's the authenticity and the ability to walk so close up to that that line of crossing the line of giving you too much information and being quite fragile that worked. And I, I must admit I felt her pain in her telling us her story. However, at the same time I also felt her desire being... Um, almost tantalised in a way which meant that it was okay because you could see she really enjoyed the chat with us. And mm. I don't know whether or not that comes across on the podcast as much as it really did in uh, the video format, but, boy, we were lucky. You know, we were so lucky mm. to have that moment with her and, uh, you know, it was it, it was a good, you know, we were, yeah, it was just a really good moment. Amazing woman. All right, can you hear that? <laughs> oh, blah, 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 blah. The Black Vault is open. Benny boy, what have you got for us? Okay, so last week I had the most voted upon was everyone wanted to know about who this A-list celebrity was in Byron Bay that got the weird look from the waiter for not recognising who, who she was. And that was Natalie Portman. Uh, Natalie oh, Portman oh. is... I thought she was nice not giving the... Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. How is she not nice? Don't you know who I am? I'm Natalie Portman. No, she didn't say that, but she gave that look of, she you know. She said it with her eyes. They, Actors act with their eyes. They hey, asked whoa, 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 her what on. she does. We need, to, they... <laughs> we need to dial back to whatever that performance was from Rob. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> that, frighteningly enough, Malk, that's how I imagine uh, our friend um, Mr McKnight would be if he did reach the same levels as Natalie Portman. That's the kind of... <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of banter we would imagine. Do you know who I am? Me now coming through. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've said that to your wife, Amanda McKnight, when you've come to bed. Don't you know no. who I am? Hello. <laughs> 
Yes. And she says, I know who you are. Get out. Get out. We've been here before. We've got many children. Um, Okay, so number one this week, radio, TV and a weekly column was the living dream for this Australian icon, but now it's a much harder game post-COVID. Who is being forced to downsize in 2021? Spoiler alert, it's not everybody, which uh, is what my partner said when I read this team. He was like, that's everyone. And I was like, no, someone in particular. Not a good phone call to get from your agent when you're told all three of those is no longer happening. Uh, Number two, one of the biggest names in entertainment was devastated to hear that Pete Evans wasn't going into the jungle, saying they would have watched for sure, but also said they would would never have admitted this to anyone, including their friends, and keeping it a secret would have been hard. How big How big is this celebrity? Are we talking long or, like, a long name or an actual big name? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Think the biggest level of celebrity you can become in this country, and it's that person. Oh. So it's a big name. And Malk's looking at me going, I can't wait till you tell me in five minutes once oh, no, this I podcast is over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm talking mega what? I'm talking mega star, someone that would never be actually, and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And it blew my mind to even have this person um, secretly share that piece of information with me. Anyway, vote away. Uh, number three, if you thought a certain math star was Pete Evans' replacement, you'd have been fooled by their own PR. Apparently he was ringing radio <laughs> stations Gosh. and magazines to tip them off, even though he had never, ever been in touch with Channel 10 ever in his career. <laughs> Jeepers, man. The balls of some people. Amazing. Imagine, can I just say, this is a real story, and the person, like, and, and I didn't get tipped off by this story about this person saying that they were going into the jungle from one or two sources. I got tipped off from three different sources, three different media outlets, saying that Gosh. they were contacted, and they asked me why this person was going into the jungle. And I said, this person lied about going into Big Brother last year. Even when the show was being recorded, he was still in Byron, um, he was still in Bondi Beach having drinks with locals and telling them that he's in Big Brother that year. The show had been in production for two weeks, but he still dined down on it, dined down on it until the show went to air. Like, who are these people and are they <laughs> mentally okay? Send a raft. Wow, they are just amazing. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of TV Black Box. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mog. I'll just close the black vault because you forgot to bleep blop bleep. <laughs> Mog's worried I'll you, still ben. be talking. Yeah, Mog's like, shut that door. Shut that door. Thanks for having me, everyone. And don't forget, for the latest information on the TV industry and so much more, go to tvblackbox.com.au. The podcast is out every Tuesday morning and you'll find lots of goodies on the Ben, Rob and Robbo show. We're everywhere. Come and join us. We'll see you next week. Jamie Oliver does not rate. <laughs> you, Jamie Oliver does not. No, that's not the tune, and you've got it out of my head now. Oh, that's so Jamie funny, though. Jamie Oliver does not. It's, I've, I've lost it now. It's I've his way it. of trying to get on the show as a regular every week. It's oh. Aaron's like, if I, because I remember when I was just thinking I was on the what year a as a shame. bit player. I used to suck up to McKnight all the time. Now I just know um, how to try and wrestle, you know, wrestle him a little bit. But um, fair play to you. Jamie Oliver does not rate. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.